0: Welcome to Books Boys, live from the Grand Library, the Dean and EJ. He's PJ. Hello there. I'm the Dean, and we are the Books Boys. The one and only. This is the Books Boys show. Get it? Buy it? Books. Books.
1: Hmm. It's the end of the year, but then I have to tell you, I'm still a, bit, still a bit confused. I mean, again, I went to my local library Okay. And between good. the cat foods and the disinfect disinfectant, I mean, that's where the books are kept, right? Between the cat food and the... Should be,
0: yeah. I
1: mean, I was looking for an old copy of Judas Caesar by Shakespeare. And it was it was very hard to read the writing. I mean, it was almost transparent. Uh, it was in rolls. So, I mean, that's where you get the storage, right? Yeah. I mean, you like get them in rolls and scrolls, yeah. Yeah, it I was very hard to distinguish. I mean, it was it was really... I don't know what's up nowadays, guys, but you have to make the ink a bit deeper. It was very hard to distinguish between Julius Caesar and the latest uh, edition of um, of Bridges Jones'
0: uh, Diary of... Um, okay. Of, and of, you got of, this beside the disinfectant. But is it possible now that you got the toilet roll again? Ah, uh,
1: what? I thought toilet rolls are kept in, in, in libraries and... <sighs>
0: It's, it's 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 tricky afraid, you know they they tell us I that would. the books come on paper it's tricky look we're we're over a year into this i'm not sure if we've made any progress you know <laughs> right well look i was
1: hoping to do my annual review in great detail of Julius caesar but it obviously didn't work out guys so <laughs> other books will be shall be reviewed and just keep looking for those books keep looking for those they might not always be in roll format i hear they also flatten them nowadays sometimes they do sometimes
0: they flatten them yeah Right. okay okay
1: Okay, fair enough. All right. so uh, that explains that, that why I've read one book this month because I did find <laughs> some something, and it's in Japanese, so I had to uh, remake it this month.
0: Uh, it's been well, a great job. Jap- at least we got something. Uh, at least we got something read. You know, it doesn't matter the language. Oh, indeed. Uh, we should start, I guess, um, by by wishing that everyone had a good Christmas and a, and a good New Year's, and we're going to start off twenty twenty two with some books discussion. But uh, just say thanks, you know, everyone for for listening, and of course, you can get us on Radio Oxen in Oxfordshire and on all your usual uh, podcatchers. and we're part of the TNC network and everything like that. So just thanks to everyone who's um, who's tuned in. PJ, do you know how many shows we've done on Patreon this month? Now,
1: uh, I know you've been very busy with, the, uh, with our mutual friend. And- with our mutual
0: friend, yes.
1: And, and we did want to. Um, you did a lot, especially
0: you did a lot of shows. I was about yeah, 10
1: shows?
0: I, 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 you know, it must be close. So we, re- wow. we released Books Boys episode 14 on December 1st. Uh, December 4th, I did episode 12 of Forensic Friends. That's the ancient Greek court speeches. That was a Demosthenes. December 7th, Dark Place Dreamers, Hell Hath Fury with Dark Place Robert. That was um, the Richard Ayoade and Matt Berry crazy show where they're in a hospital, but it's a show within a show and they've got shotguns and there's things flying around with telekinesis. I love the show and he hated it and it's quite funny to review together. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I love
1: Richard Ayoade, so I haven't actually seen that.
0: Then okay, okay. Dece- December 11th with our mutual friend, which I think we can now name as Playboy Alex. Um, we, we did Play, Playboys episode 7 Measure for Measure We spent a full hour reviewing uh, in detail All the themes and characters from Measure for Measure December 16th Music Men 2 The Christmas time Collection All my old uh, Christmas songs the, That one is, nice. is a bit dodgy So listen with care Some of those songs are not the best <laughs> um, December 18th Playboys episode 8 Othello We spent a full hour and a half on that one Really really got into Ooh. the nitty gritty of Othello and those are both on the A level syllabus. Those two playboys. And um, so any A level English students, it's worth uh, listening to that one. Mm-hmm. December twentieth, interviews from the vault eight with a lovely singer songwriter, Megan Carey, um, from her album Building This House. So we we talked about that. December twenty second, Film Fellows episode three. Robert and Alex and myself, we all watched Nightcrawler. You remember Nightcrawler, PJ? Oh yeah, that'd be great. Oh my god, that, that I mean, that, sorry, I, that would have been great to be
1: part of the discussion because I really. Did enjoy that movie as well. And you're the ultimate fan. You must have seen it around
0: like 10 times now. Oh, more. I'd say more. Yeah, I've seen it millions of times. Um, And while we recorded that, we also recorded Caper Captains, episode six, because Alex had also read And Then There Were None. And so we released that on Christmas Day, no less. It's also, yeah, also one of my favorite Agatha Christie books. Mm -hmm. And then myself and yourself, we did episode two of Poetry Pals. We talked about some of your poems just now. That's great. Well, so that's a just, ridiculous amount of content. And you can get it for $3 or £2.50. I mean, yeah, it's only for £2.50.
1: Okay, so some great content. That's just a part of what we did all year round. We started this in April with um, a series of Shakespeare episodes. And it expanded to, I think, around eight different categories, including including the perhaps not so much, not as popular uh, series so far, uh, Renaissance, Renaissance. Yeah, we did Renaissance,
0: Renaissance. We did Doctor Faustus. We never got rid to <laughs> Tamburlaine, but maybe, maybe one day.
1: We, you know. we, we tried, we tried <laughs> I'm afraid I, I think it's. I was it's very dull. <laughs> okay. So, look, I was honestly enjoying the beginning, but then it just okay. Well, oh, okay. It's a 200 page play if you add the two parts. Yeah, but Doctor Faustus. We Renaissance to Renaissance, but I'm afraid the Renaissance also then deceased.
0: So <laughs> it was I'm a very doing... very brief flash re- <laughs> in the pan. Renaissance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. we but did then, a lot of stuff. Amazing. There's there's so much stuff on there, and you can get that all at Patreon.com/slash BooksBoys. Um. Playboys, caper captains, film fellows—it's all—it's all on there. Plus, you get this show a day early as well. So, for anyone downloading on Apple or whatever, you actually get it a day early and without some of the ads. So, there's a benefit there as well. And if you pay a little bit extra, you get a books boys mm-hmm. T-shirt.
1: Oh my god! Ooh, well, I'm looking forward to my copy and my my own um, uh, T-shirt because you said you're going to give me one, and I did see you in Ireland and I didn't get one. <laughs> oh, I
0: need to sort that. Yeah, we need to sort that for you. you and there's something a-
1: very. By the way, Dean, and we're keeping this a secret, but there's something very special happening in January. There we're should be yes. It's something I'm, very special to start off that lovely year 2022,
0: so keep I'm, into it. I'm very excited, I'm very excited for that, so there'll be good things coming. Oh yeah. Shall we get into what we've read this month? Um, shall I go first? Go ahead, yeah. So, no, I'm blaming you. I read this one on your recommendation, Isabel Allende, La Casa de los Espíritus, so the House of Spirits. <laughs> now, uh-huh. this one took me ha- uh, half the month. It's you know almost 500 pages, 450 pages, whatever. Um, but man, they're slow pages. I I'll tell you what Hold my problem on. I've
1: got to tell you I didn't recommend the House of Spirits to you. I recommended um, the Japanese Lover.
0: Well, okay. I was aware that I you recommended the author. Maybe I, maybe I decided that the book title. Now, now, that's good.
1: Now, you see, like <laughs> I, I, I've been wanting to read that book because it does. It is very popular in Spain yeah. and Latin America, and it's supposedly good fun. But you didn't enjoy it.
0: My main problem with it is there's very little dialogue, and um, so it's just narrative. So there's little bits of dialogue, sure, now and again, but it's really 450 pages just block text that never stops and it just it was very tedious at times you know I don't I don't like that I like to kind of skip through the descriptions and get to the discussions and there was really very few discussions and so I I just it it made me read it so slowly you know I just it made it really a struggle for me Um, and you know I read it in Spanish of course and it's look it's all right you know, and the title's a bit of a misnomer. And um, so the reason it's called the House of Spirits is because of Clara. Right. Clara is the clairvoyant and, you know, well named. But um, we see her parents and that's fine. And then they have two daughters, Clara and Bella. Bella's the beautiful. OK. And um, there's a chap who, who, who loves Bella. And she's got green hair and whatever. And she's very strikingly beautiful. And then I, I was thinking, oh, this is brilliant. I love the romance. They're talking about the beauty of this girl. She's like a work of art. All the men think she's amazing. And then she dies very, very early. Like at the beginning of the book, she's gone. So the same guy who was engaged to Bella is like, well, I'll just marry her sister, sure. So i marry Clara instead. Um, But look, he's not a nice guy, um, Esteban. He's not a nice guy because he's having affairs. He's not just having affairs. He's... Essentially, raping a lot of peasants. He's like, I'll just go on the horse, take the lasso, and catch a peasant girl. You know, he's just kind of not really, not really a, a good chap, and he's going to brothels and all this kind of thing. You know, so he's not likable. Clara is likable, and you know, from her, it's the house of spirits because she's like talking to spirits and doing all this clairvoyant stuff. But there's mm-hmm. not really an awful lot of that. And then once it goes through several generations, you know, so with the parents, then we have Clara and Bella. Then we have um, Bianca, which is her child, and then Alba. Once Clara kind of gets old, the spirits thing becomes irrelevant. Like this, this isn't a book all about like different spirits and things like that. It's really irrelevant. The, the title is quite misleading, actually. Hmm so that made me you know a little bit sad and there's one great line because some of the family aren't great i mean i just mentioned the, the rapes and things and there's a bit where where bianca gets pregnant and you know she's not married and her dad says well i'm not going to have any b words in this family and she says well i think if you look you'll find that there's some already and that's that's the, that's the one quote i really remember very well from the book okay, okay. but oh, yeah. um look it's fine And there's a couple of funny moments um, there's and there's a lot of rips actually it's quite difficult you know even even um, you know, e- even of, of children, it's there's it difficult bits to read in this. That, that's very interesting because um, I've only read one novel
1: of, her, novel of hers, which is El Amante Japonés, the Japanese Lover, uh, which came out I think around 2016 or 2015. And um, the right, and it did have more dialogue. So it's this okay. is her first novel The House of Spirits. So maybe she grew, maybe she matured, got a more more dialogue, um, and... but. The, The same thing, the most striking thing I remember about the book was both um, the historical kind of, it was was talking about the Japanese concentration camps in the U.S. I don't know if you know about them. Excuse me, the U.S. Mm. concentration camps after the Japanese, which is not something that people talk about, that the U.S. had concentration camps for Japanese, which were were treated better than in the Nazis concentration camps. I think, I mean, that's debatable. Yeah, Yeah. wow. um, We talked about that and but the most striking thing for me was uh there was <laughs> there was a scene in it where basically uh, a, a child was used for pornography and it was more updated than what it sounds to you because because was really about internet uh pedophile pornography and i thought jesus is very very extreme like because it was pretty detailed as well mm. so maybe it must it must be a thing with her to be showing like the That's dark What of somebody. her themes i
0: guess yeah so and... i mean uh,
1: it was still very striking and um I suppose relevant because you do have to talk about this office stuff at some point. And she was trying <sighs> to just, yeah, there's heavy going. It made Admit, it because,
0: you know, you've got the character and it's going around, you know, with a horse suing and everything. And you think it's almost ridiculous. But then when there's a scene where, you know, with a chap molesting a child, that hit me too hard. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not ridiculous you know. anymore. That's just like, this is difficult yeah. to read, you know? Um And then there's a, a there's a poetry, like a, it's not a beautiful poetry. It's a disgustingly dark poetry where one of the chaps who eventually gets revenge on the family is like the, the product He's like, well, you know, I'm I'm actually your son, and you don't know it because you raped my mom. So now I'm going to rape your daughter. And he tries to create this like cyclical, you know, in his mind, some kind of poet, you know, beautiful poetry. Essentially, it's there's some sick stuff in the book, but it also, you know, as you said about the politics, it gets into the politics of Chile. There's, Mm -hmm. there's, There's there's a lot of political stuff, but that comes in more near the end. Uh, And to be honest, by that stage, they kind of they kind of lost me a little bit. Just I I didn't think the story flowed well enough. We go from generation to generation uh, and essentially we cover four generations. The problem is a lot of it. It's just snapshots of their lives. And there's not really an ongoing story thread, you know. Um, so I, I just find that it didn't read like a novel at times. It just didn't flow well. There was nothing to invest in me in the story. Sure, there's a, there's a few things, but not really enough, you know, because we're moving through such a long period of time and, and so many generations of the family. Um, and when I kind of finished the book, I sort of thought, what was the point, really, you know? Um, mm-hmm. We learn a little bit about, about Esteban. And it also has an annoying thing of having narration and then occasionally just having like some first-person narration mixed in with a, like a third-person narration, and it, it, it's a bit jarring to figure out who's talking at times, but look, it's, it's fine, you know, it's an all-right book. I did not not enjoy it, um, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering, do I want to read any more Isabella Ande, to be honest, you know? see, that's very influenced by
1: Hundred Years of Solitude by yeah. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It's that whole kind of, the, um, that book came out in the early 60s, Hundred Years of Solitude, and House of Spirits came out in the early 80s, and magic realism really follows a lot of that one book, 100 Years of Solitude, yeah. which is generational and it held the history of a Latin American country through lenses of um, several generations of one family. And basically, this sounds very similar. I haven't read yeah. it, like but it's following that idea from the lens, like scenes from the lives of, um, of of several generations, but then ultimately culminating in some historical. Um, you know, like hooped de hats or like always ending with some kind of um despot who's controlling the country, yeah. And she seems to be telling the story of Chile, whereas Guy say Márquez told the story of Colombia and 100 years of solitude. Um, yeah, it sounds more or less the same, it. though. Yeah, it sounds more like looking, less looking same. forward to reading the House of Spirits because I love that 100 years solitude
0: kind of uh narrative. Mm. Well, I had so the it, other yes, books in, but. Uh, well, um, I just yeah, I, this I one I, I'm, I'm I'm it's I've got a middling review. It was enjoyable enough to read, but not nothing special. Okay. Um, after that, I promised everyone Christmas Aristotle. Okay, I know that that's what the kids want for Christmas. Okay, and I hope of course. for all the kids listening that they got some. Which brings I, us, of also, course, to this this month's sponsor. It is, of course, Christmas Aristotle. He is the best of all the Aristotles. And if you go to ChristmasAristotle.gov, you can get some Aristotle Christmas merchandise. So. <laughs> I read the Nicomachean Ethics, okay, the Ethics okay. 4 for Nicomachus. Um, you what you would you say? Would you say
1: is very dry? Because supposedly,
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say it's very dry.
1: <laughs> well, you see, they say it's very dry because he, the, supposedly he didn't write it. Supposedly, there's a theory that a student uh, of his wrote it. Wrote uh, wrote down what he got from Aristotle's lecture. Lecture that that Yeah, that's. Anyway, that's quite. Common. I haven't read Aristotle. it. I mean, we're both uh, Plato fans. You know, we're both read Plato. Um, we never really got into Aristotle. So, what made you go into um, into Plato's students? I just ancient. thought it was
0: time. Look, I wrote down many time. years ago a list of things that I should read at the university library, and now that I've got membership, <laughs> I've taken that list, this little tiny sliver of paper with four or five things written down on that I've carried about with me from house to house, and now I've finally got my library membership back. And so I went in and I, I read the Nicomachean it. I couldn't do the complete works of Aristotle the way I did with Plato. Half of it's, you know, just <laughs> animal descriptions and a lot of biology and that even when you get to the philosophy half, it's like, you know, on the parts of an indivisible line or something like is that. The, oh, I'm not going to read that. I'm sorry. Like, uh, I, I try, I try my best, but I, I'm not going to read a, a book about it.
1: You've do- got a high tolerance. So.
0: <laughs> but look, this one, you, you'll know a little bit probably from having done philosophy. Hmm. Um, Aristotle's ethics, they, they do differ from Plato's. Um, he talks about virtue ethics and things like that. Um, I'm just going to give a couple of quick snapshots from this. There's no point dwelling on it too much. And um, he talks in the beginning about the fact that everything aims for the ultimate good, which he seems to talk about happiness. So happiness seems to be what things are, are aiming for. Um, but some of this is dry to read. You know. Now, each man judges well the things he knows. And of these, he is a good judge. And so the man who has been educated in a, in a subject is a good judge of that subject. And the man who has received an all-round education is a good judge in general. And it's just like paragraphs and paragraphs of things that you would just take for granted. You know, like, yeah, if you're educated in the thing, then you know about the thing. Like, you know, there's just pages and pages of this. But
1: Okay. Those kind of descriptions, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and he talks about a lot of different things, and universal goods. One of the big things he talks about is um, practical wisdom, right? Phronesis. So that's like having wisdom in practical things. It's not this like rational wisdom. It's not maybe, it's more practical knowledge of like useful things. And he gives us that, that sort of initial talk about practical wisdom. It wasn't really something that Plato talked about. Um, okay. But this bit's funny. We had perhaps better consider the universal good and discuss what is meant by it although such an inquiry is made an uphill one by the fact that the forms have been introduced by friends of our own. So he's saying, basically, this has been made more difficult because Plato put the damn forms in place and it's yes. although it might be thought better indeed it might be our duty for the sake of maintenance to the truth even to destroy what touches us closely so he goes on to basically trash plato then at that
1: point oh no okay his own teacher <laughs> he's like yeah that's like, what I, so happens I, <laughs> with the students they
0: turn their backs to their teachers and he disagrees with, with socrates at one point as well he says there's a saying that no one oh, is no. voluntarily wicked or um, no one and you know he goes on then to say this is partly false and he, he kind of trashes them what socrates said about no one uh, voluntarily doing something bad. Um, There's a big, big, long section on temperance, which goes for just pages and pages about temperance. But essentially, virtue ethics is you take the meme, right? So instead of being really, really scared, which would be cowardice, you also don't want to be foolhardy, which is like you're the first person on the battle line every time you're running straight in. You're going to get killed, you know? So Mm -hmm. like for him, courage is actually the medium. And that's,
1: you know talks about like a virtuous mean right so it's like in the middle it's like cowardice is too little and um to be rash is an
0: excessive so you find something in the middle yeah Isn't that and key? and that's that's him for for every virtue essentially you know for every virtue and vice you find something in the middle whether it's temperance whether it's whatever you know um with cowardice you always go for something uh, in the middle problem is mm-hmm the problem with virtue ethics is it's not consequentialism so it's not based on the consequences of what you do and it's not deontology based on rules it's based on the character of the person but it's very circular so like you know a good person is the person who does good things just like a good loot player is the person who plays in a loot while it doesn't explain yeah it (laughs) It doesn't explain anything and that's that's the the main problem um (laughs) You know, he's he's, and he talks about it like a good builder builds well by practicing building, but in order to practice building, he needs to be a good builder. And you know, so it's It's quite circular, you know, yeah. Yeah. But his idea is if you just keep practicing these things, you'll like express the virtues more essentially. But Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice, it's a bit wishy washy. I don't know how much I really buy into that, you know. Um, but he does (laughs) some groundbreaking stuff. He says most people do not do these but take refuge in theory. And think that being philosophers and they will become good in this way behaving somewhat like patients who listen attentively to the doctors but do, do none of the things they're offered to do so he speaks out actually against essentially other philosophers and sophists and, and everything so he sees himself i think as being quite groundbreaking really um and you know but whether or not he really is i don't know um I, look i'm not gonna lie Obviously reading this can be quite dull at times. Yeah. If you're interested in it, then you know, you can give it a try. But um I'm not necessarily gonna say that everyone should go out and read this one because probably the majority of people won't have any interest in it, you know, and that's fine.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like if you're really
0: into the old ancient Greek
1: philosophy and you've read Plato and you want to move on.
0: Yeah, look, people people keep saying to me, man, look, I finished Plato. Like i just I read all of Plato. What do I do next? You get well, your look, Christmas, it's a, it's a very Aristotle. common
1: problem. You know, I mean, <laughs> people calling up, and it's it's a big dilemma, guys. So if you're facing that dilemma so many of us face,
0: maybe just try out Aristotle. The problem is yeah. so severe, I'm thinking about setting up a, like a premium rate hotline, and people can yeah, just call in. that's right, because we have to deal with these
1: problems, guys. Yeah. Just, just give us a call, yeah. 555 <laughs> Plato, you know, and
0: they'll say, what do I do? I've read all of Plato, and I'll say, man, Christmas Aristotle. Get on it. Christmas no.
1: Aristotle, get on it. Here it is. <laughs> yeah so we're we, look government listen to us if you want to fund us and just give us some free copies of our, some aristotle's work because this is what we need you know it's like it's basically like a heroin addict you know what i mean as they come there give, give us some our Plato doh madness like we don't have any i'm sorry but we've got a, something of a lesser caliber or maybe this will you know this will satisfy up to an extent and you know it's <sighs> it's, it's, it's radical stuff you know Plato. It, it's very addictive
0: I think that the great philosophers, they do go downhill. So, you know, Socrates is my hero. Plato is a little bit less. Aristotle is a little bit less. You know, each time oh, we no. go from teacher to student, we lose a little bit of something special. Oh. You know?
1: <laughs> and then we don't even talk about Seneca or one of those chaps. Eh? We yeah, just forget about all yeah. the Romans.
0: That's it. You're you a what- big
1: fan of Descartes and his cats. So, you know, that's
0: sometimes you get the answer. Descartes, the ultimate armchair philosopher. I, I love his gentlemanly lifestyle. He really, that does it for me. You know, He's great, yeah. <laughs> what I'm going to do next is, um, I've got a, a clip here. It's less than a minute long, but it was a little book recommendation sent in by our good friend, Darklace Robert. Well, oh, Lord. Hi, Dean and PJ. I am... Um... Just have a quick book recommendation. It's called How Many Miles to Babylon. I read that when I was in uh, my leaving cert year uh, down in the Republic of Ireland. Um, and the entire concept of the book is that it's about an Anglo Irish man who just wants to be friends with a common Irishman. And there's constantly these barriers being put up. His mother doesn't want him playing with them. Uh, he manages to sneak off and play with them occasionally. They both join the army together to fight in World War I, um, but because he is an Anglo-Irish man, he's uh, put in the position of an officer. So again, there's always this class division between him and his friend that he's just never allowed to overcome. Uh, it's an interesting book. I'd uh, have a go at it and see what you make of Class Ireland. There you go. Thanks to Robert. And if you like Robert, you can hear him on our Patreon when we talk about Darth Maury Star Place. Do you know that book, PJ? I've heard of it. Um, it's by Jennifer
1: Johnston. So if you're into Irish literature, I've heard of the book. and It's quite famous. But no, I haven't, actually. Have you um, Have you had read? Uh, no, I've spoken
0: to Robert about it. Um, and he, he no, asked no, if he send in the recommendation. But I haven't read it, no. Yeah, I'd love, love to read it. This sounds very good. Like Why don't you tell us um, what you've read? I should say real quick before you go. Uh, there's only two yeah. of us today. I had to give a uh, little Alfred a uh, Christmas what? off. All of the money that he he's getting paid to be on the show when he's taking Christmas yeah. off.
1: You know? well, well, what's he doing? Now? What's so good about the thing he's doing? That's well, who does he think he he's, is? He's got the record
0: player on and he's listening to Ray Conniff uh, Chris, Christmas uh, album on vinyl. And um, he's a very cool obviously, chap. Got himself a little glasses. He's, he's obviously too cool for show right now. He's That's literally it. too cool for show. <laughs> he's made an old-fashioned and he's just chilling out. But look, why don't you tell us what you've read, Peter? <laughs> well, uh, talking about
1: Murakami. So I, I started off the whole kind of Murakami stream, I think, was um, back in back in October, I talked about what I talk about when I talk what I talk about when I talk about running. Mm-hmm. And then you read um, Hardboard Wonderland in the end of the in the end of the year, Hardboard Wonderland in the, the end of the world. world, in the end of the world. And now we're talking about a book that was released, I think, just after uh, Hardboard Wonderland, uh, or I think, sorry, straight out, or maybe after Norwegian Wood, around the same time period in the eighties, and it's called um, uh, Hituzu Hituzu no. Christmas, which means the sheep man's adventure and this book is not translated little pocket edition in japan they always give you these you and get for very cheap these books that just literally fit into your pocket they often say pocket book but they never fit into your pocket in europe in my experience they actually do in japan you see it here Dean. you need to it get, get bigger pockets to It fits in the pocket. And I love the fact that this was not a book release because I had read most of Murakami's stuff at that time when I was living in Tokyo. And then I thought, well, look, what else has he got? And he's got a lot of material. Um, He's got half of the literature he's written is not released. Just that the big books, they tend to be released. The big novels, sometimes the big non-fiction books. But this basically is a bit too niche, I think, for the Western market, supposedly. Because it's a what's the word it's not a sequel it's let's just call it it's a spin-off of his third novel a wild Sheep chase which is often considered his first proper novel because it's really the first uh, novel he he really dedicated full-time and a and wild Sheep chase i read in Japan and it's it's a beautiful novel about um about yeah about a, a man trying to as an always is Murakami trying to find himself. He's trying to find himself. Also, he's trying to find his lost friend called the Rat. So The Wild Sheep Chase is um third book in the series of uh, novels. You're holding
0: it up to me and it's got a delightful little uh, sheep co- uh, costume chap on the front there.
1: <laughs> it's lovely. Look, um, I love it very much, this book. Uh, basically, it's, it's a spin-off. Because the sheep man is just a man wearing a sheep uh, outfit all the time. He never takes it off. And you're not exactly sure why. And it's just basically the spin-off is about this one character in the book. And Murakami wrote this little novella. It's even shorter mm-hmm. than a novella. About the sheep man's Christmas. And the sheep man is living in a, in a society where there are people. And there are people dressed as sheep. Full time. It's kind of like a side. He went to Sheepman School and he studied the Sheepman lifestyle. So he's dedicated to it. And it starts off him talking to another sheepman and about entering the annual Christmas song competition for sheepman. And it basically decides to write a Christmas song and to win a competition. But this is in the summer and a month passes by, then the next and the next, and no inspiration comes to him. Mm. And he blames it on his landlady, who's like he says, he thinks he's a, he's an idiot and a real fool. And he's trying to play the piano and, and nothing's really happening, not even a single melodic line. And he just he's very fond of donuts, as you see here in the cover. Mm-hmm. And he's always eating his lovely donuts. Um the donuts with a hole in in the middle. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so but why am I mentioning that? That's very important to you. Because he goes to a park and there is literally a sheepman expert who goes to talk with him. He's just sitting there kind of conveniently in the park as well. And he invites the sheepman over to dinner. And he tells him, bring along those lovely cinnamon donuts. And so the sheepman goes to visit a sheepman expert. Mm -hmm. And the sheepman expert says, I believe, my friend, you are cursed. Because you understand something is wrong. And and he asks him, why do you think you're not... So they talk about the problems and the sheepman's problem is just it's just before Christmas and I just still haven't written anything. Hmm. And yeah, ha- and the sheepman expert asks him, so why do you think um you, you can't compose? And the sheepman says, Well, obviously it's a landlady, you know, she, she hates the stuff I do, I can't really find a safe space. And and the sheepman says, Well, he believes he's cursed because he's got a hole in him. And the reason why he's got a hole in him was because last, last Christmas he ate donuts with a hole in them. And then he explained that um, he'd got out his sheepman's history. This is called sheepman history book. And he says, like sheepmen are not supposed to eat any food with holes inside of them at Christmas time, because Christmas time is also the time of the holy sheep man. Okay. And yeah, I know it's very surreal with all this with all this kind of terminology, but basically, I don't want to say anything. But it's basically as was all Murakami books and novels. It's about filling the vacuum that you believe is inside of you, mm. which is the big thing in his in his chef uh, de in his masterpiece. Um, it's often considered the Wind Up Bird Chronicle or the Wind Up Bird Chronicle. So especially in that book and and also in Kafka on the Shore, it's very much about people who feel there is something inside of them that's empty or in colorless Tsukuru and um, his years of pilgrimage. It's about a man who believes he's colorless and that his friends that basically are named after colors have all the colors. It's always about these postmodern figures that think there's something missing inside of them and literally in this little novella it's quite figuratively he ate a donut with a hole in them he shouldn't have and he's now got a hole inside of them and how can he fill this hole how can he find
0: inspiration
1: is there a few days before Uh, christmas
0: pj is there some similarity to orwell here i mean i know the style is very different but most of orwell's books we just reviewed a lot of them have people who who think that something's missing? Maybe not from themselves, but from the world. But you know, it's typically someone who feels that something's wrong. And and maybe these these sound like, although it's a different way of doing it, there is maybe something similar there.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it's a very, I think it's just this concerned kind of postmodern kind of author, mm. and or was not exactly postmodern, but I think, I think in both of them, it's a sense of, um, well, society doesn't make any sense. What's was all these wars? what's with people in general. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think there's a similar theme going on
0: there. Never yeah, thought about that. it, 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 it sounds that way. Well, you like this one anyway. You liked it more than I, yeah, uh, I liked my two so far. <laughs> yeah, like, well, then the thing is, I love
1: everything it does. And uh, I particularly uh, enjoy the fact that it's just like, it's not really something that you can read. Um, it's hard to get this book. So there it is, guys. It's worth a lot. It. It's uh, The Sheepman's Christmas give it a try and yeah it's not out in in a european language i don't think but you can definitely at least start off with the book which it comes from which is a wild sheep's chase mm-hmm. sheep's chase or just any of his books uh yeah there you go that's my christmas read literally the sheep man's christmas
0: okay um i did read some more um i've got three more books um Will I, will I do the one I didn't like first and then we can finish on, on happy things? Oh, go ahead. H.G. <laughs> um, Wells, The War of the Worlds. Mm. Um, this was trash. Sorry, Sorry, H.G. Wells. And it also suffers from the same problem as the La Casa de los Espiritus, a very little dialogue. So it's almost as if H.G. Wells, author of The Time Machine, forgot to oh. get in his time machine and listen to my review of La Casa de los Espiritus before he wrote this. Um, But very little dialogue, again, Um, comes from just before 1900. Um, Look, I've never read H.G. Wells before because I thought I don't really like uh, sci-fi. I knew I wouldn't like him. But then you may remember last year, I read one of his books, uh, The Wife of Sir Isaac Harmon, and it's a standard Victorian romance, you know, and I loved it. I thought this is one of my favorite books of the year. I really love it. I'll give The Chap a chance. Let's try one of his more famous books. Um, I hated this. I really, really hated it and it's very short okay you can see on the cover there there's some martian spaceships attacking some ships some boats hmm. um, well that's the entire story no so basically what happens is some some it's very little i like books with character work you know that's why i like dickens and we don't get that here because it's again it's just all description so we don't really get to see characters um but very, very short book you know, it is accessible, it's less than 200 pages, it still took me like a week to read it just because I was bored, but um, what happens here is some Martian ships land, and it's basically a cylinder, so a cylinder lands, they don't know what's in it, and then it turns out there's some some Martians inside, they're in a big pit, they build these um, big machines, and then they go around with their heat ray, laser thing, uh, and they get to, you know, to kill things, and the chap runs away, and he's hiding at one point, and then he meets a curate, and they're, they're kind of, bunkered up uh, in like a little room and they can see what's going on. Um but in all honesty, not really a lot is going on. I I don't I don't know why people like this. I mean, you've heard of the book, right? I don't know if you know much about it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it but I haven't uh, haven't read it yet. I mean, I know
1: it's a bit about the survival of the fittest and there's a bit of darwinist elements in them as well but um it's essentially just a sci-fi right i thought it was more of a
0: just fun adventure book the way it sounded no he's just describing the martians and then i mean there's very 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 little plot for most of it it's just long descriptions of like you know they've got these cylinder things and now they've got these flying machines and these other machines and they've got long tentacles and they're walking around and then there's a big bit where he moves over and says, well, instead of telling you what's happening here, my brother is in London. So I'll give you what my brother told me happened in London. And then it's just more of the same. So it's just more and more Fuck. descriptions of these. things. It's just very dull. You know, the actual plot is a short story. You could do it in 10 pages, you know. Yeah. And, and I, again, we don't really give away the ending, but it's terrible. I mean, the, I thought maybe there'd be at least a smart ending. The ending is so weak. It's so bad. Like, I'm sorry, I, I have liked... Oh, no. I love The Wife of Sir Isaac and um, so I'm not saying, you know, H.G. Wales is a bad author or anything like this, and I haven't read The Time Machine, or I think he did The Invisible Man, you know, but this this makes me scared. I will try him again, you know, we'll give him another try, but this one, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm just... It did very little for me. There's, there's, there's so little to okay, say about so it. Just well, it, doesn't
1: have to, it doesn't have the usual Victorian sort of you know, unmarried a girl sitting on daddy's lap <laughs> hoping to get some affection, right? So all that kind of nonsense. It is doesn't. The it. closest we get
0: is obviously he's separated from his wife. So he wonders, you know, did she die in this? What was happened? And they, they think the march is taking over the whole world. And there's this one crazy soldier who thinks, well, we just got to get in, you know, get on board with it. And now this is the new world. This is the way it is. Um, hmm. That's it. I mean, there's there's really no romance. There's no there's almost not really a plot you know okay some martians come to the world that's a premise rather than a plot and then that's it like there's not there's nothing further that really happens you know um and it's split into two books and book two is life under the martians so i thought oh brilliant we're gonna get like a full regime of like what i was thinking like battlestar galactica when they're on the planet and they're being held by the uh, the cylons are ruling. no there's nothing like that it's just I would say, if you, if you, unless you really, really think you're going to love it, give this one uh, a miss. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.